Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us, if our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, one of my favorite literary genre is biography. I love reading biographies. In fact, when I go to a bookstore, I usually go to biography first and then eventually make my way over to religion and philosophy and things like that. But biography I love. In fact, for my sort of fun reading, my bedside reading, I'm usually working on a biography of a great figure, politician or an artist or whatever it is. Here's something I've discovered in the course of my years of reading biographies. Almost invariably, there is the thorn in the flesh moment or the thorn-in-the-flesh principle. Here's what I mean. In the lives of great people, you can almost invariably find some great suffering, some great anxiety, some great agony that somehow forms the very center of the story, becomes the hinge on which the story turns, becomes the key to understanding that person. In fact, now when I read a biography, and you're going along with the usual facts and so on, I start watching for it or waiting for it. When will I find the thorn in the flesh? In fact, I'm going to push the principle a little further. The greater the person, the greater this thorn, the greater the struggle. I started reading biographies of Abraham Lincoln when I was about eight, and I've been reading them ever since. I've read, not every book, obviously, there have been thousands written on him, but on a steady basis, I read biographies of Lincoln. In Lincoln's life, you can see this principle clearly on display. Almost all his adult life, Abraham Lincoln wrestled with a severe depression. You see it in the earliest days when he was a young man in, in Illinois and in Springfield and so on, going through the legislature, all his years as a lawyer. You see it very clearly during his years as president. Lincoln struggled with a debilitating depression. In fact, during the terrible years of the Civil War, Lincoln couldn't sleep well. He would wander the halls of the White House in this deep melancholy. One time he said he almost imagined the room he was in filling up with the blood of all the people dying on the battlefield. They knew, of course, that he was, to some degree, responsible for it. One time someone asked him, how come you tell all those funny stories? Lincoln said, because sometimes I feel if I didn't tell those funny stories, I would just be crying all the time. His son Willie died when Lincoln was in the White House. He would stalk out to the grave sometimes at night just to be by his side. Once he even asked that the young boy be exhumed, that he might look at him again. This is someone who wrestled with a very deep depression. Did it debilitate him? 
Did it wreck him, destroy him? Obviously not. In fact, many people argue it was this very depression, this very darkness in Lincoln that enabled him to enter with such compassion into the suffering of others. What made Lincoln feel in his bones the suffering of this divided nation and what made him at that moment of truth able to say with malice toward none and charity toward all to make him work for the reconstruction of the South, many would argue it was his very pain, his very depression that enabled him to enter with such sympathy into people's lives. Another president whom I've read about a great deal, Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt was a bright, young, handsome, well-connected figure, ready for a brilliant career. By all accounts, he would do great. And then, just as his career was getting rolling, the height of his powers, he struck with polio. It was devastating. Not only physically, of course it debilitated him physically, couldn't walk, but it debilitated him psychologically. It's as though all the wind was taken out of his sails. It's as though his whole sense of self, his career, his life was over. And in fact, he very seriously considered just retiring. And heck, he could have done it, plenty of money. In fact, his mother was urging him to do just that, retire. Live comfortably for the rest of your life, but give up your career. Well, luckily his wife and his friends and others said, no, you must muster the strength to resume your career. And of course he did, after many years. Ran for office again, became governor of New York, and eventually president of the United States. What made him a great president? Many would argue it's his very wrestling with the polio. It's this very thorn in the flesh that did what? That awakened in Franklin Roosevelt a depth of sympathy and a depth of compassion that was never there before. You know, before he was young, vibrant, full of life, and frankly, full of himself. Might he have even become president? Sure, but would he have been a great president? Many say no. His greatness came not from his strength. His greatness came from his weakness, which enabled him to identify with the poor and the destitute and the hopeless. Listen, which he never did, given his aristocratic upbringing. The president of the New Deal, the president that moved the country through the Great Depression, would never have emerged were it not for this thorn in the flesh. Third example, not a president this time, Laurence Olivier, generally regarded as the greatest actor of the 20th century. Laurence Olivier said in his autobiography that at the height of his powers, when he was in his 50s maybe, when he was seen by everyone as the greatest actor in the world, he developed enormous stage fright. He's not some kid just beginning his career. This was the great Olivier at the height of his powers. Said he could barely drag himself onto the stage and his jaw would lock up. Well, here's people expecting the greatest actor in the world and here he was barely able to perform. 
Well, he got through this terrible trial, and he said, I would never have been able to play King Lear. You know that wonderful Shakespearean role that's full of so much angst and suffering. I would never have been able to play King Lear were it not for my wrestling with that terrible struggle and trial. The last example, and maybe one that will surprise you. In recent years, the diaries and letters of Mother Teresa have become more widely available. People who knew her have been speaking more freely about her. And here's something which has become clear. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, legitimately called the greatest saint of the 20th century, a living saint, wrestled much of her life with doubt. Doubting sometimes, yes, even the existence and love of God. <laughs> you say, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. As she's caring for the poor, as she's traveling the world, as she's seen by almost everybody as the greatest living saint, she was, in her heart of heart, often wrestling with a terrible sense of doubt. I wonder if there really even is a God. Shocking, terrible, horrifying, undermining her sanctity. I think perhaps the very thing that most made her a saint. Maybe the thing that gave her her greatest spiritual power. What enabled her, again, to identify with such love, with those who had lost their faith, those who had lost a sense of meaning and purpose. If she had never in her own heart experienced that, how would she ever understand it or sympathize with it? Friends, why am I telling you all these stories? Because we have an extraordinary passage as our second reading for today. It's from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Listen. In order that I might not become conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me and keep me from getting proud. Three times I begged the Lord that this might leave me. He said to me, my grace is enough for you, for in weakness power reaches perfection. That, I would submit, is one of the most extraordinary passages in the New Testament. A thorn in the flesh. What was it? Well, we don't know for sure. Was it a physical suffering that Paul had? Possibly. Was it a psychological suffering? A deep anxiety, a fear, self-doubt? Possibly. Some speculate that it was a speech impediment. In fact, he tells the Corinthians that, I know when I'm with you, you say I'm very unimpressive in speech. Maybe like Moses, he had a stammer, and yet he was compelled to preach all the time. We don't know what this was. But listen, we know it was terrible. Why? Because of what he says here. Three times I begged the Lord to take it from me. In a Semitic Language form, three times means not just one, two, three. Three times means over and over and over again. Like I, and listen, I begged, I begged three times. That means 
over and over again, I ask God, please take this suffering away from me. This is not a minor problem. This is not a superficial difficulty. Whatever this was, the thorn in the flesh, it was something terrible. Oh God, please take it away from me. Every one of us, I would submit, has something like this. Oh God, if there was, if you could do one thing for me, it would be to take this away, whatever this is. But what does the Lord say? My grace is enough for you, for in weakness power reaches perfection. Lincoln, Roosevelt, Lawrence Olivier as an actor, Mother Teresa as a saint, in all those cases, we can see the principle. In your weakness, your power reached perfection. You became, Lincoln and Roosevelt, great presidents because of your suffering. Olivier, you became a greater actor because of your suffering. Mother Teresa, you were the greatest saint of the 20th century because of your suffering, not despite it. And so Christians, when you name that thorn in the flesh in your life, maybe it's a physical suffering. Maybe it's psychological pain. Maybe it's a deep anxiety, a deep frustration. I don't know what it is. And you beg God, please, Lord, take this away from me. Maybe realize this principle. It's a mystery that's wrapped up finally in the mystery of the cross itself. That our power might be reaching its perfection precisely in and because of this thorn in the flesh. And so therefore say with Paul, I willingly boast of my weaknesses. Because in this weakness, my power and God's grace reach their perfection. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Word on Fire is brought to you in part by Catholic Cemeteries. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago Cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.